this past Wednesday at 3.57 a.m., the moon was in its first quarter, meaning that it was only six days away from being a full moon. And then once it hits that full moon, it creates this, it goes in the descending fashion until it's the new moon and it's pitch black outside and that night will be Erev Rosh Hashanah. It's only 19 days away. As I said earlier, this is the time of year that we are supposed to be looking up at the sky, feeling pressured and stressed by the moon and thinking about how little time we have left to think, oy vey zemir, it's Friday night, I got 19 days left, I better get to work. This is the month of Elul. It's our month where we're expected to repair all of our relationships. Any relationship you have which is damaged or broken that needs mending, this is what we're supposed to do this month. And all of these hard conversations are expected to happen before that night, before Rosh Hashanah. And personally, I have a lot of work to do. I've made my list of people I know who I have to apologize for. I need to call them and apologize. But I have done an unbelievable job of procrastinating. I'm so good at not making my phone calls. I, I've made some of my calls. I just haven't made all of my calls. But when I look up at that moon, I know that I need to get to work because I'm running out of time very quickly. Now, given this daunting task that we have in front of us, and it's something we all know we have to do, and we might have been putting it off, we come to the synagogue, we read the Torah portion, and then we read the exact same Torah portion we read last year at this time, last year when the moon was in the exact same place. And so this week when I opened up Kititzeh, and I looked at the words, and I'm hoping for wisdom to just drip off the page and hit me and inspire me to make my calls, the first paragraph of the Parsha, it seemed a bit odd. And so this is in Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 10. It starts off, it sets the scene that if you are in a battle or a war and you just won against your enemies and you have these captives around you, and I'll read from the Torah from here on out, and you see among the captives a beautiful woman, and you desire her, and you want to take her as a wife. It says you can't do it. At that point, you actually have to bring her into your house. You have to let her cut her hair, clean up her nails. She's supposed to change her clothes from during whatever that war was that she was captive in. And after she's done this, then inside your house, she's supposed to lament and cry and mourn for her mother and father, which she just lost in this war. And you are supposed to protect her and create that space for her to just be for a whole month. And then at the very end of that month, if you still feel like you might want her to be a wife, then you can talk about marriage. But if there's any part of you that at that point, after that month, no longer wants her as a wife, you have to release her immediately. It says you can't sell her, you cannot enslave her, she's totally free. Now on first read, it can seem like a really strange passage to line up, well, a strange passage period. It also can be a strange passage that lines up during this time of the year. Unless you think about where we have been in the Torah to get to this point, to get to Deuteronomy. You have to go through a long journey. We started in Genesis and Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and finally, we finally get to Deuteronomy. 
And it's quite a journey to get to this point. If you think about where we begin in Genesis, it, I like to think of the Torah as almost a complete thought. You can go by a single dot or a single word, but if we think of it as a whole thought, is that we begin Genesis in paradise. We're in Gan Eden. We're in the perfect world. And very soon we learn about the struggles we find in families where siblings end up hating each other. We're then told that our job in the world as the people of Israel is to be a blessing and how to take this world from how it is, this very broken and fractured place, and to turn that world into the paradise that we started often at the beginning of Genesis. But it doesn't end there. It gets darker. We head to Egypt. And where we started in heaven in the beginning, now we experience the polar opposite. Now we get to experience hell on earth. We experienced slavery for hundreds of years. And when we begin to climb out of Egypt and through the sea to Sinai, the Torah reminds us over and over again, more than anything else it reminds us in the whole Torah, is that since we were slaves in Egypt, we cannot let anyone else be slaves. Now, it appears obvious on the surface as this is a way that we're supposed to act in the world. It's a given. But it's something wholly different when one is faced with reality. So finally, when we get to this point in Deuteronomy and we read this passage that tells us how to treat a captive person, what we're reading is the progression from our ideals in Gan Eden, in that paradise, into our mission of being a blessing, to our experience in the world in Exodus, to Deuteronomy where we're given this clear guidelines on how to behave so as not to enslave anyone else. In Deuteronomy, we're nearing the end of the Torah we as a community are reaching the end of our year and we're reflecting on where we have been in our own lives and how we've traveled to the Torah during this year. And we're given these clear instructions that tell us not to act on our emotions, to first subdue those and to follow certain behaviors, even in the face of war and battle. Knowing that it's in war and battle in places like that when people can forget where they came from and what they actually stood for. But by saying that if you're going to capture a person during a battle, you must clothe her and feed her and take care of her. Let her mourn for a month inside your home so that all of your passions are going to subside. And then once you've behaved in a way that has elevated that other person, only then can you begin to look at how you feel emotionally towards them. Now the Torah and the rabbis, they knew that when we fight with each other, we have a tendency to be blinded by our passions. And the only way to repair those relationships is by following a prescribed set of behaviors in order to move to a healthier place. So think about this last year. Think about your own lives for a moment. Think about when you had an issue with your partner or a friend or a relative. And then you don't talk about it right after you have that altercation. And as those days go by, sometimes weeks, sometimes it's been months, since that altercation and your lack of communication, it's not that the passion actually goes away. It's rather that that sore between us, it festers. It almost gets worse. And the very last thing that we want to do in the world is to engage with that other person. And that is exactly what we're expected to do in the next 19 days. We're supposed to do the thing that we dread the most. What I've always found peculiar about this process and this time of year is that there's no description 
of how a person should feel during this month or even how they should feel on Rosh Hashanah. All we talk about is what we're supposed to do. This is how Judaism works. We lead with action, not emotion. We know that we cannot control our emotions. Emotions are fleeting and they have many different factors influencing them. What we do know is that we can control our behavior and that our behavior influences our emotions. Now, during these final 19 days, we are not told what to feel, but we are told what to do. The steps of tshuva are laid out in Hilchot Tshuva by Maimonides. And we're, we're prescribed to actually go to the person in our life that we've hurt or we've wronged, and we're given this quote that we're actually supposed to say to them. So I'm going to read it to you here. I implore you, God, I sinned, I transgressed, I committed iniquity before you by doing the following. And behold, I regret and am embarrassed for my deeds. I promise never to repeat this act again. So if you look, it's actually four steps. The first thing you have to do is find the person you've hurt. I have had people come to my office and say, Rabbi, I need to tell you what I did to my wife. Will you forgive me? And I say, I'm really sorry. You're wrong religion. Nothing I can do for you. You actually need to talk to your wife. So you actually have to identify the person and go face to face with them and say specifically what you did wrong. You can't call a person and say, if I hurt you at all during this year, it doesn't count. You have to specifically say, this is what I'm sorry for, because only when you specifically get in what you're sorry for can you then say, I regret what I did. And that thing that I did, I'm vowing never to do it again. Now, after doing all of this, if you don't feel better, according to our tradition, that's okay. You've done your obligation. It's not the best, but it's okay. But what I've found is that by leading with action, we're constantly surprised by how our emotions follow. That is what the hope is in this week's Torah portion. So let me ask you a question. If you have not had all of the conversations that you need to have during this month of Elul, raise your hand. I was afraid I was the only procrastinator in the room. That's good to see. Now, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Inside your prayer books there, pull out your Shabbat handout, that little piece of paper we got for you. Your homework is on there. Pull it out. Flip it around backwards. On the back of it, you're going to find a little text box. There is Maimonides' quotes, and I even put inside that quote for you, I numbered the steps you're supposed to take. The recognition, regret, and your vow. And below that is three lines of the three people that you need to apologize for. It might be more, it might be less. I would actually like to invent an app that would make it so you think I have three and then the app tells you, actually, there's two more people out there and you have to figure out, but I've not created the app yet. I want you to put this in your pocket. You can tear the card off now if you'd like to or you can put it in your purse, your pocket, take it home with you. I, I really mean this. I want you to do this when you get home because this is what we're supposed to do this month. This month is not an easy or a light time, but it's a time of year that if we follow the prescribed behaviors, we have that potential where we, to get closer to where we started in Genesis. While Gan Eden is a, a physical place in the Torah, as a Jew, it's our job 
to make our world, our lives, and our relationships a little bit more like Gone Aiden. But you see, it doesn't just happen. It takes action. And time is getting short. You only have 19 days left. Can you hear that zone?